Well, I thought it was hot in here before everybody started singing. Right? Then we all, we all got to singing and got into it. And man, it's getting warm in here. That's, that's all right. At least for the next, next little while, half hour or so, uh, the only hot air in the room will be mine. So, uh, but I'm glad you came and joined us today. Again, my name is John. I'm the pastor here. And we are continuing a series called Uphill Habits. For those of you that weren't able to join us last week, I would encourage you to go to our website and click on resources and sermons, and then you can listen to last week's because it'll really, really sets a framework for the rest of the series. But I'll give you the, the short version, the Cliff's Notes version of it. Um, and that's that although we all have dreams and we all have hopes, the, the problem that we often face is that we don't accomplish them. We aren't becoming the person we want to become or doing the things that we want to do. And usually the problem is that we have uphill hopes but downhill habits. Uphill hopes, but downhill habits. And so our goal in this series is to shift those downhill habits into uphill habits, and we talked about how to do that last week, so that we can achieve and become all that we want to become and to achieve. And the secret, the key is to know, and this is what we discovered last week, that it's God who should set what those hopes are what those dreams are, who we're going to be, who we're going to become, and what we're going to do. And if we know that God has set those things for us, well, then we, he's the one who's going to show us how to get there. So the plan for this series is to talk about the uphill habits that help us to ultimately to get there. And what I want to do today is talk about the one habit that I believe, above all the others, will help us turn the tide, help us to make the shift. That, that when we're not achieving and becoming the things that God wants us to be, usually it's because this habit is lacking in our life. And if we can get this habit in place, everything else in our life will start to turn. It is the habit of prayer. The habit of prayer. Now, we've got lots of different ways that we pray um, or learn to pray, I guess. Little things, phrases, or uh, repeated prayers, or songs, you know what I'm talking about? Because like, a lot of the question is, how do I pray? What do I pray about? Like We, we pray for our food, and, and when our kids are little, we teach them to sit and pray like, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we are fed, give us, Lord, our daily bread, or, or some version of that. Like I think my kids learned that at preschool, and then, and then we graduate from there eventually, but you know that's where we get started, or um, sometimes it's uh, it's bedtime prayers, right? We lay down with our, you know, my sweet little Josie laying in bed, and now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Should I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And one day it hit me. That is super morbid <laughs> to, pray, to pray that right before you go to bed. And my understanding, I don't know if this is true or not, it's just what I've heard, so this is not like, this is like Wikipedia-style truth. But uh, if that, that that prayer actually came out like during the plague, that that's where that prayer came from, because they really were worried they were going to die in their sleep. Like, I don't hope we don't have to worry too much about that anymore, so maybe we can figure, I don't know, maybe one of you would rewrite one and share it with the rest of us. You can put that, post that on the Facebook page this week, that'd be fun. But um, or sometimes, you know, it's not that. Sometimes it's just, you know, in the moment, spontaneous prayers where we're just, something happens, we're like, help me, Jesus, you know? Like, sometimes that's the prayer. We've, we've got all, we've all, all different kinds of ways that we pray. And the questions that, that I get asked, and honestly, as a pastor, the, the, the most prayers I get asked are about prayer and about the Bible. It's bar none. It's, it's, so what am I supposed to pray? When am I supposed to pray? Are there things that I should pray for? Or are there things that I shouldn't pray for? And all these questions about it, because as simple as 
prayer is, it's communicating with God, it can be very intimidating at the same time. And so we have all these struggles with it and all these questions that are asked about prayer. I heard a story about three pastors. They were having lunch one day, and they were sitting in a booth at a restaurant, and they were debating, they were debating over the, um, the best uh, place to pray. Where was the best place to pray? And the first pastor said, so obviously kneeling by the side of your bed is the best place to pray. And the second pastor chimed in and said, that's not the best place. He said the best place to pray is at the altar at church, to actually go to church and kneel down at the altar and pray there. And the third pastor said, no, no, you're all wrong. The best place to pray is out in nature, God's creation, sitting on top of a mountain. That's what Jesus did, right? And um, and then a guy from another booth just kind of leaned over, and he was a local middle school teacher. He said, you're all wrong. So the best place to pray is a middle school classroom. <laughs> That's the best place. But, you know, prayer is an, it's an interesting thing, and it's very, very important that we get this right because if we don't have a healthy habit of prayer, then we will not achieve our uphill habits or our uphill hopes. We just won't. How could, if we're not in open communication with God and effective communication with God, how could we possibly know what he has planned for our life or how he intends for us to get there? So this has to come first. Prayer is like the president of a company who's looking for a new CFO, who calls in three candidates who all have equal experience and all have accounting degrees from prestigious universities and a great work history. And he calls them in and sets them in front of them and says, all three of you have received a job at this company. Okay, we're going to offer all of you a job at this company. But one of you is going to be the CFO and one of you is going to be a finance division leader, and one of you is going to be an accountant. And I'll decide which one of you will have which position at the end of three months, and during those three months, you have full reign of the company. Well, one of the candidates came every single week for the corporate all-staff meeting where everybody from the company got together. And one of the employee, or one of the candidates came to the all-staff meeting and the weekly finance division meeting. But the third candidate came to the all-staff meeting, the finance division lead meeting, and showed up every morning at at the president's door and asked how they could help. Which one of these three do you think got the job of CFO? See, we we are not going to achieve our full potential that God has given to us unless we are in open communication with him. In fact, I would say that the uh, prayer matters because the level to which God will use us is directly connected to the level to which we are in communication with Him. That the more in communication we are with God, the more likely we are to achieve the full potential that He's created for us. Now, this is so important that um, actually, as I was praying about the message this weekend and putting things together, uh, I, I, God just brought a lot, a lot, of, a lot of principles and a lot of practical stuff, and I put the whole message together, and then I practiced it on um, Thursday, and it was an hour and 10 minutes long. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not going to work, <laughs> particularly considering our conditions today. <laughs> that, that, would not have, that would not have been a good thing, but it was really clear that there were two separate sections to that message, and so I said, okay, God, I think you've given, I think you've given me two messages here. So what I'll do is um, this weekend, I'm gonna, in this service, I'm going to preach the first half of that. 
And then the second half, I'm going to shoot in video segments this week um, because it can be broken down into segments. And then I'm going to post those or I'm going to email those out. So if you want to get those, uh, those messages this week, the, the second part of this, which is really going to be the practical of when do I pray and how do I pray and what, what should I pray or what shouldn't I pray, answering some of those questions, um, then make sure that we have your email address. So if, you've never, if you don't receive emails from us, then uh, on your connection card today, if you want to receive those this week, make sure you fill that out and put your email address down. Then that'll put you on the list, and then uh, you'll make sure to get those this week. But what I want to do is start off today with a few principles that are important for us to understand about prayer that are going to frame up all of those other things. And I'm going to give you three today. So if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. The first one is this, that prayer is an honor. Prayer is an honor. And I don't know if you've considered that. For some of you, that may be why you find prayer intimidating. Because when we pray, we are speaking to the God of the universe, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and ever-present, who is everything, who holds in the tip of his finger more power than we could ever possibly imagine. And so to get the opportunity to come to the feet of God and to get an audience with God Almighty to actually be able to speak to him is an awe-inspiring thing. And our prayer life will not be what it's supposed to be unless we have that mindset, that, that we should come with seriousness and, and, and reverence. I mean, I want just imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment that you got the opportunity to sit for just a few minutes with the President of the United States. Okay? Okay, it's a bad example. So let's say for a second you got the opportunity to sit. Let's say, let's say you got an opportunity to sit for 10 minutes with the Queen of England who's like, you know, there's all this that surrounds this whole, there's like this, this veil of royalty, I guess, that surrounds her. Like, you don't touch her. You don't, you don't, you know, I mean, it's a big deal to even get the opportunity to speak to her. Imagine, ima- imagine how you would handle that. So I said, you get 10 minutes to spend with the Queen of England. How would you approach that? You would approach that with, I, let, me think, let me talk about me, maybe. I, I would approach that with a great deal of respect and, and awe. Um, I would think really carefully about what I was saying to her and what I wasn't saying to her. I would, I would look forward to it. I would anticipate it. I would get a little even nervous before that moment happened, just knowing the gravity of the moment I was about to step into. And in order for us to have a proper understanding of prayer, we need to have that kind of perspective to think, I get the opportunity to come to God Almighty and speak to Him, and He listens to me. That's incre- it is an incredible honor. Psalm 111 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it do have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Now, the fear of the Lord isn't the fear of that he's going to smite us or that he's going to destroy us or that he's going to crush us. or It's not that kind of fear. It's not the kind of fear you get when you go into the principal's office or when your boss calls you down to his office in the middle. It's not that kind of fear. It's the kind of fear that just makes you stand at attention and to be aware and, and to be conscious of everything that's happening. That's the kind of fear that we need to bring to the Lord. It's a deep level of respect and honor. And um, one of the things that's taught about prayer, and I'm not, not let me finish this thought, but um, one of the things that's taught about prayer is that, that 
to pray properly, we need to think of God as our buddy. Like he's just your buddy. So just imagine he's sitting next to you and he's, he's your buddy and you're going to talk to him just like you would talk to your friends. And I, I, I like that in the sense that it creates conversation and it helps to minimize some of the fear and intimidation that people have about praying. The problem with that mentality is that I just don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Like just nowhere in the Bible do I see that. When people come to God in prayer, they come with reverence, with awe, with respect, with honor. They are very careful about what they say and what they don't say. In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, guard, this is Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 through 2. It says, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they're doing is evil. Be not, catch this wording right here, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. When Jesus was teaching on prayer, he actually warned us about babbling on and on and repeating the same prayer over and over and over again, thinking that that's going to make us heard before God. We need to be very conscious of what we're saying and choose our words, not only the words of our mouths, but the words of our hearts carefully as we come to God. And I'm, the more time that I spend understanding prayer and developing this, own ha- this habit for myself, the more convinced I become that the simplest prayers are often the best ones. Coming with reverence and respect doesn't mean we have to use big words. In fact, I think that that's the opposite of what God is looking for. It's, it's not that we come to him and try to use big words or flowery words or ornate words or impress, because when we start doing that, what we really are doing is we're flipping the attention away from God and putting it back on ourselves. But it's when we come to God and we choose very carefully what we're going to say, and we say it in a very simple and direct way, and I think those are the most effective and honoring prayers to God. Uh, it was the pastor and theologian Martin Luther said, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. <laughs> and I tend to believe that as well. When we realize that we, it's a tremendous honor for us to pray to God, it places a tremendous amount of value on the time that we spend with him. We should embrace that time. We should look forward to that time. We should build everything else in our life around the time we spend talking to God. Again, I want you to remember, think about if we got an audience with the Queen of England, would we, would we come to her at some point and be like, something else came up? <laughs> My kids have a ball game. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, we just, we wouldn't do that. We would take that time, we would set it aside, it would be precious, it would be valuable, it would be, it would be untouchable time because we valued it so highly, and our prayer time with God should be exactly the same. It should be untouchable to all other things, and so we should set it aside and make sure that we treat it with honor and that we're paying attention. And I, this is one of the hardest things, this is, this is something I, get to, uh, I struggle with, honestly, and, and people ask me all the time. They say, I pray and I struggle to, to focus my attention when I'm praying. My mind starts to wander off to all these others. Anybody else? I struggle with that. I'm raising my hand, so you feel free. Okay? Yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard to keep that attention, but it's important for us to figure out this is where techniques come in play and are very valuable. The, and we're going to talk about some of those in the messages I'll be sending out, some of the things that have worked for me, and maybe you've got some things that you'll share back from that. But we need to focus our attention. It really struck me this week because... Um, uh, Josie, my, she's five years old, and um, she's uh, 
She's smart. Of course, I'm going to dote on her. She's my daughter. But like, she's <laughs> super smart. She's reading chapter books. She hasn't started kindergarten yet. So I'm like super proud of her. I want to encourage that. And um, so she had read this one book and she wanted to tell me about it. So we sat down. I'm sitting in my chair and she's talking to me. And um, she said, uh, and then this girl found this unicorn. And it's always unicorns or rainbows or pink or purple or something. And uh, so I found this unicorn. And um, so this is how the conversation goes. This girl, she goes to this town and she uh, she finds this unicorn, and then um, she realizes that it. <laughs> she started watching TV right in the middle of her sentence. <laughs> I mean, I was like, it was just this slow fade, and so. I'm watching her, and she's just slowly looking away until she's staring at the TV. And I'm like, hey, hey, down here. We were having a conversation. What happened? And after that, I just had this moment where I thought, well, I, pot kettle. I, I do that with God all the time. I'm, I'm talking to him. We're having a conversation. And all of a sudden, I start thinking about the grocery list. And if I pick the right thing, and God's like, hey, up here, we can worry about whether you got mild or regular taco seasoning later, <laughs> where we were talking, we were having a conversation. And so if, if we really value the time that we have with God, then we must keep our attention focused on him during that time. And I know it's hard because our minds do wander. And it's very difficult for all of us to do that. I think the greatest prayers in the world have a difficulty doing that as well. But there are techniques and things that we can do to help keep that from happening. All right? And those are the kinds of things that we need to learn so that our attention stays focused where it should be on the God of the universe who he is actually giving us an audience with. All right? So prayer is an honor. And if we don't understand that, then our prayer life will never be what it is intended to be. We have to come with awe and respect to him. The second thing that I want to share with you is that prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is a tangible act of faith. Faith can feel intangible at times, but this is a place where we literally are putting our faith into action. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 11.6 says, um, says this. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, and isn't that what you're doing when you're praying? Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That prayer is an act of faith. Uh, it, it, it's simply this. When I pray, I'm displaying my faith. Because if I don't believe God exists, then I'm just talking to the air. Right? So... <laughs> If, if I don't believe God exists and I'm talking to someone out there in the cosmos somewhere, then I'm crazy, basically. So prayer is an act of faith because when I speak to someone that I can't see, when I speak to someone that I may not hear an audible voice back from, then I am showing that I have faith that he exists. And when I bring requests to him, of course, I'm showing faith that he rewards those who seek him. So I'm not just talking to the air. I mean, you think about that. It's, it is a demonstration of our faith. And one of the things that makes prayer so special for us is the fact that 
the God of the, we have faith, we believe that the God of the, that created all of this, everything we can see, everything we can't see, everything that has always, that has ever been, everything that will ever be, that he cares enough for us to listen. And, and not just to listen in a moment, but to listen always. That we don't have to get God's attention, that we don't have to call him to attention, that we don't have to meet him in a particular place, but that he is always sitting there with a listening ear. And anytime that we say, Father, he says, Son, daughter. And he's listening and he's paying attention. That is, that is an incredible comfort to me the faith to know that he's listening. To know that, to know that because of Christ's death on the cross, because I've asked forgiveness of my sin and Christ's blood has covered my sin, Christ has paid the debt for me, because of that, because of Christ's resurrection, proving he has power over sin, he's done what I can't do, I know that I can come in honor and respect to God of the universe and to speak to him that he's listening and that he's not thinking about that about my sin at that moment, that he's not judging me in that moment, that I don't have to come in trembling fear, but that when I come to God and I speak to him, he is listening, he cares, he wants what's best for me, he has a plan for my life, and I don't have to be afraid of him in that way at all because of Christ. We must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Prayer is an act of faith. How amazing is it that we have an audience with God. We are significant enough to God that we have his ear all day, every day, any day. He is ever listening and he is ever answering. So prayer is, uh, prayer is an honor. Prayer is an act of faith. And the third thing is that prayer is an effective tool. It's an effective tool. The biggest question by far that I get asked by people about prayer and that I myself have asked through my life, is, does prayer work? Does it actually do anything? Does it actually change anything at all? One of the great paradoxes of prayer is that God is, is the creator of the universe. He is the ruler over all things. He can, he can do anything that he wants. He is in control of all things. Yet, my prayer, little me, my prayer makes a difference. It actually changes things. If you, look, if you look at Scripture, there is overwhelming evidence in Scripture that prayer changes things, that it affects things. Jesus said, if you have faith, you will ask and you will receive. When um, Paul and Silas were in prison, they were praying and singing songs all night long, and God sent an earthquake that opened the doors of the prison so they would be set free. When Peter was in prison, it says the church was gathered together while he was in prison, and they were offering earnest prayers for him. And it says that that night an angel showed up to Peter and walked him out of the jail. Prayer works. It matters. It makes a difference. There's a woman we read about in the Old Testament whose name was Hannah, and Hannah was unable to have children. And she brought prayers day after day after day to God, asking him for a child. And he rewarded her because of her prayers and her faith with a son. Samuel, who became one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel was, 
was establishing the nation and they were fighting and they had a battle and they needed more daylight in order to, and to accomplish the battle. And Joshua, the leader of the nation of Israel, prayed and the sun stood still. Prayer works. It's effective. It makes a difference. And I can tell you from my own life, and that's, I mean, there's, I'm sure you could count them, but I'm going to say countless examples in Scripture of prayer having an effect. And I can tell you from my own life, if you haven't experienced this, that it does work. It does make a difference. One of the things that I struggle with personally is anxiety. It's, it's, it's been a real struggle for me through the years. And I hang on to the verse that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I have to grab onto that one all the time. And I'll tell you that when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling depressed, if I stop and I pray and I offer thanksgiving and I bring my request to God and I, I thank Him for who He is and all that He has done, then my anxiety lifts, my depression lifts, that it, act, that it makes a difference in my life when I, pray, when I pray. And it's not just a mental game that I'm playing with myself. I believe that through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living within me, that He gives me the peace that passes all understanding. That comes from God. And if I don't come to Him in prayer, that doesn't happen. So yes, prayer works. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer, prayer is able to do what few other things are able to do. Through the power of prayer and the faith that that displays, prayer can change a heart. And there are a few other things that can do that. And there are a lot of situations that we face where that's the only solution. So, I can't, in good conscience, not talk about this. So I, I hope you've been paying attention to the news over the last couple of days. Because if you haven't, you, you, you need to, to educate yourself on what's happening in Charlottesville, Virginia. There's fighting, rioting. At least one person has lost their life because somebody drove a car into a crowd of people. And it's been hard for me to watch that. It's been hard to. It's been hard to. Um, it's been hard to watch it from a distance. You know what I mean? Like because because you see it happening, and it almost it almost feels like it's in another world. Like you you almost feel like that can't possibly be happening. I you know that would never. It couldn't possibly happen in my community when absolutely it could. It's hard to watch when when. You don't feel like you can do anything. And so, like, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, and I actually stopped looking at my Facebook feed last night because I just couldn't take, take it anymore, but um, everybody's posting stuff. And, I, and what I think is, I think that's a lot of people's attempt to do something <laughs> because we feel like we want to do something, we want to make a difference. And I look at that situation, and I, and I understand it's very, very complicated, but here's what, here's what I know with, without a shadow of a doubt that to hate another person is unacceptable to God. I don't care, I don't care what, what, their, what their race is or what their skin color is or what their economic status is or who their parents are or where they came from or what ethnicity they are or what time in history they lived in. To hate another person is absolutely 
unacceptable to God. And so, and so to see people behaving that way, and in some cases, claiming they're behaving in that way because of their faith or because of God or because of the scripture, is, it's disgusting. Okay, it's disgusting. And um, my wife, uh, she posted this verse this morning. I did see that on Facebook. <laughs> 1 John 4, 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he cannot see, or who he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so I look at that and think, the only explanation, you, could, you know, you can blame your actions on whoever you want, I guess, but there is a lack of love for God resulting in a lack of love for our brothers and sisters that I know breaks the heart of God. And as I look at that kind of stuff, I'll tell you, it doesn't make me angry. I mean, you know, there's something inside of me that wants justice, but more than anything, I think for me, and I, and I hope for you too, it just breaks my heart because these are people. And, and what's happening right now, like the, the, the conflict and the, the protesting, that's not going to solve a thing, not, not a single thing. All it's going to do, nobody's heart is going to change because of that, that's involved in that situation. All it is going to do is cause people's heels to dig in deeper into what they actually believe. And it's not going to create more unity, it's going to create more division that the only solution to a situation like this is for people's heart to change, for their heart to change toward God, for their heart to change toward other people. And the only way we're going to be able to accomplish that is by showing love, of course, like we're supposed to, but the most powerful, the most effective tool that we have in our arsenal is prayer. So that when, when we sit down to pray and we think about that situation, what we do is pray for people involved. Pray, pray for the guy who was behind the wheel of the car, okay? Don't hate him. Pray for him. Love him enough as a creation of God to pray for him that he would come to faith in Christ. No person is too far gone. Every person that you see, if you want to do something, if you want to do something effective, then pull up the news, pull up your feed, pull up whatever, and every picture of a person that you see, Pray for that person specifically that God would break through to their heart. It is the most powerful thing that we have in our arsenal. And there is no way, across the board, blanket statement, there is no way anything is going to change in our country until God grabs people's hearts. That is the solution. And that's what we need to be praying for. And prayer is an effective tool to do that. So if when you look at that situation, if you can't be there, if you, if you don't post anything on your feed, more important than even those, I believe, is for us to hit our knees in prayer and pray for people. Pray for reconciliation. And that's not just reconciliation between races. That is reconciliation between people and God, which will then lead to reconciliation between people. That's what we need to do. It's heartbreaking. Uh, James chapter 5 is talking about 
healing. James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 say, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer has great power as it's working. And whether it is, whether it is that situation that we're facing or the dream that we have out in front of us or the mess that we have in our family or the struggle that we have at work or the fear that we have about our future or the, or, or the, the relationships that we have that we can't seem to manage, God is listening and it's a great honor that he is. And we can come to him in faith and believe that he exists and believe that he rewards those who seek him. And we can come to him with our requests knowing that it makes a difference, a real tangible difference in people's lives. And if, if we're not doing that, there's just no way, no way we can become the people that he's designed for us to be or do the things that he's set in front of us to do. And I want to help you also with a lot of practical things, which we're going to hit um, in those messages that will be sent out. So I want to encourage you to embrace those. And I want to challenge you right now, this week, maybe you do it today after the service, to set aside a time of prayer where you're just going to start. You're going to start practicing. Maybe you're out of practice and it's time to just start practicing. Just get there, get your hands dirty, start praying, set the time aside, and to find some specific things to pray for. Thank God for who he is. Thank him for all that he's blessed you with. Thank him for your salvation if you've accepted that. Pray for our community. Pray for our world. Pray for your friends and neighbors and friends. There's no, there's no end to what you can pray for. I want to encourage you to set that time aside this week. So what I want to do is um, actually go and, uh, to God in prayer right now. And we're going to try to apply everything that we've talked about here. And uh, we're going to call on God. We're going to call on God and ask him um, to heal our hearts, but also... Um, to heal those around us as well. Okay, so let's pray. God, we thank you. We recognize, Father, you, you are all-powerful. You, you are in, you can do anything that you want. You are perfect in holiness. You are perfect in justice. You are love. And you give us the great honor of coming into your presence to focus on you, to speak to you. And I thank you that you love us enough, you care about us enough, even when we have sinned and we have failed and we've turned our back on you, that, that you want to hear from us, that you, you want to receive praise from us and you want to receive thanksgiving from us and you want to receive requests from us and you are hearing us at all times and you are answering at all times. And I thank you for the great honor that it is to come to you today in prayer. We believe that you're listening. We believe that you're answering. So we're seeking you and focusing on you and and, and God, I ask right now that even, even as I speak, you would give me the right words to pray, that you would put the right words and thoughts into the hearts of each person who's in here. I pray that our attention, that you would help our attention stay fixed on you right now. I thank you, God, that you've given us the, 
ability to come into your presence through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you've forgiven us for our sins. That the barrier that we created between us and you, you've removed so that we can, uh, we can once again speak to you and know you and love you. And um, I ask God that you would move on anyone's heart who's with us, who's never asked forgiveness of their sins through Christ, and that they would do that now. That they would believe They would believe that you died for them, Jesus Christ, that they would accept forgiveness of their sins and they would turn towards you. I thank you that you raised your son, Jesus, on the third day so that we would have the confidence to know that we follow a risen Savior and a powerful Savior and that you've given us now access to you and we can pray and, and, and that as we bring requests to you, you filter through them and you know what's within your will and what may be selfish. And so we just bring them and ask that you, your will would be done with them. I pray for each person here who is um, struggling in their family right now, who's um, not sure, uh, maybe there's a, they have a child who they're struggling to relate to or to discipline, or maybe it's, maybe it's um, someone's parents here that they're having a difficult time with. They don't know how to please them. or um, Maybe it's a husband and a wife here today. Or maybe one spouse is here and the other one isn't, and um, you have plans for them, but the stress and the struggle and the frustration is getting in the way. And I ask God that, um, that you would show a path out. Um, and those paths are difficult, but I pray that you give the, the fortitude and the stamina and the boldness and the desire to take them. Pray for each person here who is struggling with their future, that they would be thankful. They would take a moment right now and be thankful for their present. And to know that you do have something planned for them and they can walk that path as you lay it out for them with no fear at all. I pray for I pray for anyone here who's struggling with work or financial struggles or the pressures that go along with not feeling like they're uh, being successful or um, making progress. Maybe they feel like they're in a hole. I ask God that you would give them confidence to know that um, you either have them there because you're teaching them something and they need to embrace that or maybe they're doing the wrong thing and you've got another path for them. Show them what that is so they can take it. I pray, God, for each person here, all people here, as we struggle with sin, I ask just as Christ did that you would deliver us from evil. That you would give us the strength to say no. That you would give us the strength to walk away. That you would give us the strength to change. That you would give us the strength to no longer be dependent on that thing, but to be dependent on you. I pray, God, that every single one of us, that you would give us a renewed commitment to repentance. To turning in a new direction. To changing our mind. To changing our the entire path of our life in response to you. Pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would just illuminate sin that each of us have. I pray for the events that um, surround us. I pray first for our community. We've had a lot of violence lately in Salisbury and uh, shootings and fights and... um, 
We're just, I mean, we're saturated with drug issues. And I understand there was another shooting last night, but don't know any details. And God, I just pray that, that your love would break through and that, that through the power of your spirits, hearts would, hearts would change and turn towards you. When we talk about things like revival, it's, it's revival of the spirit within people. It is, it is change happening in the hearts of men and women. And we need that. So we pray for our community and we pray for opportunities as individuals to help facilitate that, to make that happen, to move that along, to pave the way. We just, we need your direction on it. God, I pray for our nation at large. You know, I mean, the, it's not just Charlottesville. It's all over the place. It's just, we've got a microscope. We've got a magnifying glass on that at the moment. And we just, what our nation needs is, we, we don't need to be a Christian nation again. God, we need to be a nation full of Christians. And so I, I ask God that you would move in people's hearts, that you would, the, the people that you intend to be in those situations physically, that you would, through the power of your spirit, show them exactly what to say and exactly how to act and exactly what to do to, to open people up. That we would be, that we, as, as those distanced from the situation, will be very careful about what we say and don't say. But that we, we pray specifically through the power of your Spirit that hearts and lives would change, and that people would turn towards you. That's our mission on earth now. And so we come to you, God, and we ask you to do that. We ask you to move in people's hearts. We ask you to move in our hearts and to, to, to kindle our affections for you, to build in us a passion and a hunger to know you more and more, to communicate with you more and more and more, to, to understand what it means when the Scripture says that we should be joyful in all things and that we should pray without ceasing, to, to, to live a life that reflects that. And to show us how to build some of the habits that are going to create the framework on which all of that is built into a life completely devoted to you, completely submitted to you, so that our lives could be an accurate rec- reflection of Christ's life. And as you walk us on this journey and you take us from downhill to uphill, help us to be in constant communication with you. Inspire that in us. Renew that passion in us. And I commit for myself and so many across the room are going to commit right now to say, we will do it. We will pursue you. We will draw near to you. We believe that when that will happen, when that happens, you begin to move uphill. It's in Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen.